Are you the type of person that enjoys self-reflection, personal growth, and having purposeful conversations with like-minded people? If you are, then you are going to love the new official What Fulfills You card game, which is available for pre-order on the website at whatfulfillsyou.com. This is the perfect conversation starter, icebreaker game to play with friends on a night in with a few glasses of wine, big family dinners, a potential romantic partner, work retreats, and of course, much more. Oh, and I think this would definitely be a fun game for upcoming Friendsgiving and Thanksgiving events. Enjoy 10% off with the code for podcast listeners only, what fulfills you 10 at checkout. That's what fulfills you 10 at checkout at whatfulfillsyou.com. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Lovely listeners, welcome back. Happy Tuesday. My name is Emily Elizabeth and I am your host. And of course, welcome if you are brand new to the show. On today's episode, I will be chatting all about alcohol and vodka. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I mean, actually, I'm, I'm half serious because I am indeed chatting with the founder of a vodka company and in this case it is a female founder her name is Bridget Taylor founder of Herodin Vodka which I think is very aligned with the mentality um, within this podcast in terms of just female empowerment and empowering women to make their own decisions and continue just to be able to be our independent selves and just to decide for ourselves who we are, and that's a lot of the messaging around Herodin Vodka, but a little bit about Bridget and her brand before we dive into it. Um, Herodin Vodka is a super premium, award-winning vodka that defies everything the industry says a woman's spirit should be. Herodin, which means bossy, belligerent old woman, is an answer to the industry's utter misalignment with women and reclaiming a desire to decide for ourselves who we are, what we like, and most certainly what we drink. Herodin understands that drinking trends have changed and people value quality over quantity more than ever, which is why they bring a new level of earnest commitment to quality with organic, gluten-free ingredients grown by fifth-generation farmers in New York. Bridget herself studied history at Dartmouth College and later went on to Harvard Business School, where she graduated in 2020. In between Dartmouth and HBS, she was an analyst at Goldman Sachs and Barclays, then moved into the luxury fashion industry with the help of her network, which we do dive into today. And she worked alongside with the CEO of Valentino and Stuart Weitzman. In today's conversation, we really do touch on various aspects that I believe is impactful to many of you, regardless if you are an aspiring female founder or entrepreneur, but also especially if you are in the workforce right now and you've been eyeing your dream job or you've been eyeing this next position that you really want, I think 
a lot of what we talk about and as you can see unfold in Bridget's story is that it takes grit to get whatever you want really right and externally from what we see as an audience we always tend to see the finished product the finished result but only in these conversations we get to hear a more in-depth insight into all the years along the way it took to get to a certain point and that goes for Harriden Vodka which we dive into why she even picked the name Harriden and how she was even familiar with medieval history and all of that which goes with my favorite quote from Steve Jobs which is about how you can't connect the dots looking forward but you can connect them looking backward and so with that being said Whatever it is that you trust, the universe, God, karma, your gut, whatever, um, you just have to trust that in that your dots will connect when you look back. And I really find that her story and our conversation here, you get to connect the dots yourself, even as a listener. So um, I'm excited for us to dive into it, but also one quick tangent before we dive in. I found it really unique and interesting If you guys listened to one of the previous episodes, I think it came out three weeks ago or two weeks ago with Kim Ross, founder of Aura, which is a luxury acupuncture studio in Manhattan, also based in New York, right? I remember when I was looking at their backgrounds because, you know, I tend to take notes and all that before I interview my guests and I had their interviews set up on back-to-back weeks. And I remember looking going, oh, wow, they both studied at Dartmouth not only just studied there they both studied history right and then they went on to go into more business oriented um, fields but then they also both went to Harvard Business School and now they both live in New York so I was like okay what are the odds maybe they know each other somehow and of course I asked Bridget before we recorded and she's like yes I do she's actually you know um my sorority big so if you're not if you're not in America you might not be familiar with what a sorority is but in Greek life we have a big sis and a little sis um or at least you know big and little that's what we call it so um your big is just kind of meant to be your you know your older sister quote unquote in your sorority and um kind of help guide you along the way so I just found it fascinating because at the time too I was still pretty new to New York I think I was only living in the city for two weeks at that point and um, I found it interesting how it's a small world and both of their PR teams and contacts like reached out to me um, and you know like it had nothing to do with the fact that they're friends or anything like that it's just uh, the I guess the irony or the coincidence that they happen to be friends and then I happened to interview them um, on back-to-back weeks and saw the similarities on their you know their resume their LinkedIn all of that so um, very serendipitous But yeah, um, I'm going to end my little rant here and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. Okay, well, Bridget, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm excited. It's a Friday. We're going to sip some vodka later. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's dive into your background, share everything from, I always like to have people share their childhood days. So like literally how they started and always try to see the patterns that kind of paved along the way that kind of lead you to where you're at today. Perfect. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me. I am honored, honored (laughs) and delighted to be here. And I guess thinking to my childhood, 
Uh, you know, I would say that in a very boring answer way, I had a charmed childhood. I was super lucky to have two amazing parents. I am a middle child. I had an awesome older brother who was a high school athlete star. Mm -hmm. I had an awesome younger sister who I'm still best friends with. She actually lives below me in this apartment, which is (laughs) hilarious. And it was a pretty, and grew up in in Connecticut, and it was just a very basic, standard upbringing with no major (laughs) call-outs. I would say from a young age, I have always been fascinated with entrepreneurship, Okay, which is something that I, I took a break from in college and afterwards where I worked for a major organizations Mm -hmm. but now obviously have come back to later in life right so ever since I was little I was always starting weird little odd jobs okay like I actually had Bridget's odd jobs where (laughs) I would charge my parents for chores that they would ask me to do (laughs) which is the classic yeah I don't know how my parents support like agreed to support me in this way but right. they'd be like oh would you mind cleaning up after dinner and I'd be like that's two dollars like I will do it but I guess my dad appreciated Genius. the capitalism and was like right? sure uh and then in high school I had it was my senior year in high school I'd gotten into college I was super excited mm-hmm. to go and my dad sat me down and was like Bridget I want you to know that you know when you go to college you've got, you better start state. Like you have no, we're not going to give you any discretionary support. Yeah. So you, you know, better start hustling, getting jobs and, you know, start that bank account. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I babysat all throughout high school, but it was kind of this, Oh, Oh no. Right. Moment. Like I don't nearly have enough to feel like I can, I don't know, have enough money to like pay for spring break and stuff like that. And so I was working as a waitress the summer after my senior year. And I was like, it's not enough money waitressing. We don't pay waitresses enough. (laughs) It's it's terrible. Um, So I started a bakery and was waitressing and then baking cookies, cupcakes, things on the side. And it was called Delectable Bakery. And it actually started to get some real traction wow. after, uh, you know, after my, my senior year in high school. And so what turned out as kind of a throwaway summer job, I actually mm-hmm. wound up doing it two summers in a row because I had a pretty loyal customer base. Wow. So all of that is to say, I went to college, I graduated and had a job at Goldman Sachs. Yeah. And so the opposite of it's like where entrepreneurship goes to die because right. you get golden handcuffs to I've heard you that know. the golden handcuffs. <laughs> exactly. And um, so uh, took a total break from that and wound up getting an opportunity then at Barclays in the on the fashion and luxury retail equity research team. Okay. Which is something I've always been interested in in fashion and luxury. Yeah. And so when this opportunity arose, I left Goldman, joined Barclays in fashion and luxury, and that's uh-huh. where kind of the rest of my life really falls into place. Right. Is that I learned I loved branding even mm-hmm. when I was in what would be considered a boring finance job. I was so close to these luxury brands. Right. And I fell in love with brand stories. Okay. And so much so that I got contacted by Valentino. They were looking for someone 
who could do customer analytics for them mm. and then also broader business strategy. Right. And when they approached me and I met with the CEO, it was another instant connection that was like, this could be really, really cool to work for one of these companies right. rather than just covering their stock. Yeah. So went to work for Valentino. And then from there, the CEO of Valentino, after a year of working with her, she was picked off to be the CEO of Stuart Weitzman. I see. And then she asked me to come with her okay. to launch their customer insights division. And that's where I spent the last, my timelines are all like so convoluted. Um, that's where I worked for two years, four years ago. And then it was from there that I applied to business school. So I applied to HBS. Okay. And the reason that I did that was that while I was thriving in my customer analytics and business strategy role, uh-huh. I had a long-term goal of being a CEO. Okay. And if there's any business strategists or customer insights people out there, the CEO job should be for you too. But in my current position, I didn't feel like I was on a, the right track. I felt like I was kind of pigeonholed as just like I the see. data girl. Okay. So that's why I applied to business school to round out that skill sets. Right. Got into HBS, and uh, yeah, that was then the past two years of my life. Okay. The final chapter um, that brought me to where I am today is that my second year of business school, it's March 2020. Yeah. COVID. Oh. We didn't even, we didn't even know how bad COVID was going to be remotely, obviously, right. March 2020. Right. So my classes moved to Zoom. And then the job offer that I had worked so hard to get in business school that I had theoretically locked down, they called and were like, we're delaying your job offer by six months. So it's supposed to start in September. It was pushed until January. So in March 2020 or March April 2020, I was suddenly faced with eight months of unemployment, student debt, and really nothing to do because we're all under lockdown. Right. So I was like, how can I possibly make this time valuable? And that's when I thought of Herodin and was like, I might try to start a vodka company. And here we are today. It was kind of, if there was ever a silver lining to COVID, which there isn't really one because it's a terrible, terrible thing. Right. But for me personally, that it helped me jumpstart this business has been pretty rewarding. How old were you when you were at Valentino and Stuart Weitzman and Coleman's? <laughs> like, you had to have been, like, like around post-grad. Like, I'm talking 23, 24, 25? Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I feel like I'm a classic millennial and that okay. I've had a ton of jobs. And yeah. for better or for worse, this is not great career advice, but I'm someone who, if I'm ever unhappy... And one spot, it's I don't hide it well. Like, right. I'm visibly miserable, okay. and I have, to, like, I have to make the switch. Okay. And so when, you know, Goldman, for example, is an amazing company, was covering business services software mm-hmm. at Goldman. Yeah. And it was just not an interesting industry to me. Mm-hmm. It was, like, not something that I woke up and was like, whoo, like, I'm excited to go to work and brainstorm. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, my God, like, how am I going to... How am I going to be able to focus on this for like the 14 hours that this job requires? Right. And so that's when I was like, need a change. Mm -hmm. Found Barclays and found luxury retail. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to like kick this, you know, kick off really loving what I'm doing and really loving what I'm working on. Right. And the only reason I left Barclays was because when I was connected with Valentino, it just felt even more right. Right. And so I guess... Maybe that's 
I'm an opportunist at right. heart, and it right. was like, you know, yeah, that's how I guess I've always approached my career, which there's pros and cons to that, but yeah. I've luckily only had the pros, I feel, so far. Right. And it's funny, too, because if I did my research correctly, you studied history at Dartmouth. (laughs) Medieval history, actually. So it's like, wait, you studied, and that's funny, because Kim studied history as well, I think. That's why I thought that you might know each other because you had the same major. Oh, but we had we had classes <laughs> together. Oh my god! I wait. That is so strange. To me. It's so weird because it's like I just talked to her last week, uh, and like it's like I'm still new to New York. But um, okay, interesting. Like, how do you how do you translate? Or I guess like, I feel like some people would be like, oh, how are you going to use a history degree? Or like most people would never think someone who studied history would go and work at you know Valentino or like Goldman Sachs. You right? I mean, yeah. it seems just. It doesn't seem like there's an alignment or parallel there, but how did it come about for you? Like, how did you take a major or what you studied that had, I mean, did you even study anything related to finance or like, <laughs> you know, did you like take accounting in college? Like things like that. That, that is that, like, such a good question. Yeah. And so actually what I did was I originally was going to double major in economics okay. and in history and speaking to... You know, and I love the the title of this podcast is What Fulfills You. It's kind of been a guiding principle of right. like, if it fulfills me, check, I'll do it. If it doesn't, it's over, right. it's done. Right. So actually, as an economics major, until I got my job at Goldman, and that was bef- after my junior summer internship. I see. I got the job. So then my senior year, I was like... I hate economics. I'm not going to have it be my major anymore. So then I doubled down on history and pursued that. For your senior year. But I had been, because I had been doing double majors, it was like I was still on the right track. Okay. So it wasn't like I suddenly had to take 30 classes in order to be a history major. (laughs) But, uh, But I will say, while... Definitely the economics knowledge that I got from econ was instrumental to me getting a job in finance, would not have been able, and I did take accounting. Without those classes, I would not have been able to get the jobs that I did. Okay. But I wouldn't have given up my history major for the world. Like, I loved it. And actually, it's it's that, that history major and what I wrote my senior thesis on, which was medieval witches, which has been the guiding North Star of all of Harridan's branding. Right. So it's kind of how the road of my current business Mm. directly ties into the history major that I had, which was otherwise, I won't call it useless, but very helpful at like cocktail parties with interesting facts, but like not helpful in terms of my career until now. Interesting. Okay. And I like that you did mention there that you recognized economics and studying that was not something fulfilling for you and you you took a different path that just felt more aligned with you it's funny because I did that as well in college you know I came in as a business economics major ended up thinking it was boring very black and white I you know hated going to class and then I switched to um, strategic and corporate communication and I was like oh this is so much more aligned I still get a lot of business you know learning in this, you know, because we had to take certain entrepreneurship classes and it was a lot of critical thinking, but you still get the communication and PR side of it. And I was like, oh, I I was so excited to go my last two years of college. And I was like, this is what every college student really needs to feel and needs at least like process in college because you or your parents, if you're lucky enough, they pay so much 
to go for you to go to school right yeah. and that's what that was what I was thinking I was um, an out-of-state student my first two years I went to UC Irvine and I was paying you know three times the cost of an in-state student and I was like oh my gosh this is not worth it yeah but that's when I transferred to a private school and I was like okay like you have to be mindful of what you're studying and like you said I mean there's I guess interestingly enough we'll dive into it but I guess what you studied in history led into the branding of now your vodka company so yep. there's always, I guess that's like a, a quote I really love from Steve Jobs. You might have heard of it. Something about like, you can't connect the dots um, looking forward. You have to look back to yeah. like connect the dots. <laughs> yeah. That's and something along the way. So it's like, you kind of have to like just trust whatever, whether that's universal fate or whatever it is out yeah. in this world that like somehow the dots connect later on. Oh, and that's, that's kind beautiful. of how I look I at it. I need to find that. That's yeah. a great it's, Steve Jobs I read, quote. Yeah. I read his biography. Highly recommend yeah. it, especially for entrepreneurs and, you know, aspiring, you know, business brand builders um but I found that quote very relatable to w- the fact that you studied history at from you know 18 to 22 mm-hmm. and now eight years later it's like right right, right. back to this <laughs> medieval history yeah, major exactly and it was it's so funny that you say that because when for the for the label that we have what I had sent to the my cousin who designed the label he's very yeah. talented what I had sent to him were pictures that I took of medieval text in college because in medieval text I'm sure this will ring a bell like the the borders were very intricate and what oh. these like monks or these authors would okay. do is that they'd write kind of big words on the right hand side but then on the left hand side they would do these beautiful illustrated borders oh, and that's what I sent the designer and was like we should do something like this yeah. and so it truly it very directly linked back which is so funny and and one quick tie, because to be clear, like I loved business school, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily align with not being a huge fan of my economics major, right. but how much I loved business school. And the reason is, is that it ties back to a lot of what you were talking about, that it was like, it just, it was a lot more tangible in the sense that it would, every every class started with the story of a company and why mm. the company was in a certain position. Right. And then it, it puts you, the student, in the shoes of the CEO or whoever, and it asks you directly, like, what would you do if you were the leader of this company? And it ties mm. in entrepreneurship, it ties in communication, it ties in HR, because, like, you have to make sure you're employees are happy and they're not right. all going to quit. It ties in overall corporate strategy and it just felt so much more real yeah. than sitting in a class drawing supply and demand curves, <laughs> which obviously is very important. Right. But, and you know, now that I'm a business owner, I'm like, damn, I wish I had, you know, more, <laughs> I wish I was better at supply and demand right. curves. Right. Uh, but it just, business school felt a lot more real and therefore a lot more interesting. Okay. What is one thing that normal people wouldn't know about business school that you feel like whether it's um a common stereotype or what people say that's maybe not as true about business school or what's something you didn't you like realize later on after graduating like oh that's something not many people know that you get to experience in business school that's a great question i would say i'll i'll say my answer is something i rolled my eyes at when people okay. told me but then it turned out to be profoundly true okay was people were like you'll go to business school for the network. And I was always like, okay, I've never been Miss Networking B. I've okay. always kind of been like, I'll go to the networking event and I'll make one friend and that's like my takeaway. Right. But now, especially after spending 
two years with the same classmates. Mm-hmm. Not only are some of my best friends from today from business school and my boyfriend who I live with, yeah. we met at business school, oh, cool. but I also have this incredible community of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that I can rely on for yeah. questions, which has been so helpful with starting Harriden. And so when people had said like, oh, you go there for the network, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be going to school with like Mark Zuckerberg and Steve right. Jobs. Like I don't, I, that, it just didn't feel real to me. Okay. But then when I'm starting Harriden and I'm like, oh crap, like do I do an LLC or do I do a C-Core? Like what the hell is an S-Core? Right, right. <laughs> like that's, I immediately had 10 people from my class who I know had just incorporated their own business and oh. was like, what'd you guys do? Yeah. And people respond within seconds. Right. And it's, so it's just this amazing, amazing community. And I'm sure great things will come yeah. to all, all of my classmates. Tell the story of Herod and Vodka. Like, you, you said that it really started to come about during COVID. Like, what moment was it? Like, what, were you sitting on the couch? Like, why vodka even? Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I love telling this story. <laughs> so, it was, it was actually, I know I had really emphasized March 2020, but it was really mm-hmm. April 2020, which was when Zoom fatigue for school really started to set in Mm -hmm. where it was you know I couldn't focus on my classes my teachers are all like over the age of 60 and are very confused by zoom because they're new to this process too right and it was just starting to get to the point where we were all realizing that COVID wasn't going anywhere yeah so it was a pretty low moment and so what I had been doing to pick up my spirits Mm -hmm. and the spirits of my housemates right which were my boyfriend and his roommate uh, I got really into making elaborate cocktails. Okay. So while other people were baking banana bread, which I did too, it's great, <laughs> and like sourdough, I was like, give me the most complicated cocktail recipe I can find okay. on Instagram. And as I was making these fun concoctions, I was coming across all these awesome tequila brands and all these awesome whiskey brands and all these awesome gin brands. But then when it came to vodka, it just kind of felt like the same five brands over and over Mm -hmm. and there just wasn't that much novelty or that much innovation right and so when I got the call from my my job that or the job I was supposed to be starting in September that was like you're now going to be starting in January 2020 or 2021 I was like all right, I'm going to start a business. I'm really into mixology right now. Why don't I try starting an alcohol company? And then as I molded over which spirit to go into, I was like, vodka, I just feel like is really, really overdue for disruption. Right. And so that's when I doubled down. I like, I was like, all right, I'm going to see how far I can take this. Yeah. And before I know it, it was, you know, I've incorporated, I've got a distillery, I'm deciding on recipes and working right. on label design. And it was, it has, it continues to be a wild ride, but it was amazing. Right. So first, how did you think of the name Herodin? Like, where does that come from? Yeah. So Herodin, the word means an angry, belligerent old woman. Okay. And I originally was going to call the vodka widow vodka, Okay. which was a nod to my my late grandmother who passed away a couple of years ago. She she was a widow at the age of 60 and just had this amazing second life. She lived until she was 98 and aside wow. from the tragic passing of my grandfather, uh-huh. she just completely owned 
the last 30 years of wow. her existence. Yeah. And so I always found that really inspiring. And I wanted to make it something that was very female focused mm. because there are really not that many women in the yeah. spirit space. Yeah. And the brands that are out there that are targeting women tend to be pink and frilly and flowery mm -hmm. and nothing wrong. I love those brands too. Right. But as someone who's, you know, studied medieval witches, yeah. I was like, there's more than one aesthetic out there. Right. So what if we leaned into this other, you know, darker, more seductive aesthetic mm -hmm. and go down that path? Yeah. So I wanted it to be Widow Vodka. I wanted it to be like dark and seductive. As you can imagine, there are a ton of trademark issues with the word widow. Like uh -huh. we can think of the Marvel movie, Black yeah. Widow. We can yeah. think of a million other things. So I had, it took about two months before I was like, ooh, this probably, this widow thing probably isn't going to work and I right. need to change the name. So then I just started Googling synonyms for like hag or um, I'm trying to think of other like old lady words that I was Googling. Mm -hmm. And then I saw this word Harridan and was like, I've never heard of this. Yeah. I did a trademark search. There was no trademark attached to it mm -hmm. and it just felt like fate. And so locked it in. And we actually just got our trademark fully approved a couple weeks ago, which is great. So now right. it's, it's ours and only ours. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's it, it. It was serendipitous. But now I would say I can't imagine calling Harridan Vodka anything else. Right. And so I feel like going into the spirits in, like, just alcohol industry, right, it's, it's difficult. It, there's a lot of moving pieces, I would say. What was your first step in first, like, figuring out how to just get the vodka in general like like where do you go from there like you, you just google all of this honestly yes which is <laughs> crazy right and that's what the you know we talked about this a little bit but the pandemic afforded us so much time that mm -hmm. i could spend three hours down a google rabbit hole that mm -hmm. normally I, I might not have had the time or patience to do right and so what was really important to me was that i wanted it to be a new york state distillery mm -hmm. because I love New York and I mm -hmm. wanted to make sure I was supporting anything, everything that I could right. New York wise. Yeah. And so I just started Googling New York distilleries and then I started reaching out to them and yeah. seeing if they would be interested mm -hmm. in taking on a private client. Right. And several said yes. And then mm -hmm. I started to try their vodkas mm -hmm. and I actually came across this really small distillery who had never taken on a private client before, mm. but because of COVID and I, I think other maybe external factors, he was he was willing to take a meeting with me. Mm -hmm. And I sat down with him and I described to him this vision and I was honest about not having too much industry experience. Right. Although I was like, I've watched a ton of YouTube videos and I've done a ton of Google research right. and this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And he was really the only one that was like, I see it. Like, I see it with you and let's do this together. I tried his vodka and it was the best vodka I've ever had in my entire life. Like, one of the best spirits I've ever had, even okay. outside of vodka. Right. And then I was like, all right, we have to work together. And the rest was history. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, okay, so let's build the timeline. At what point was this? So this is in 2020. What, what month was this in? So I was, I spent about... Let's see, I spent May, June, July researching distilleries mm -hmm. and I, you know, tried a lot of vodka that I didn't like and had to move on from those distilleries. Uh, so I locked down our current distillery, Meyer Farm Distillers, in 
very early August. Okay. Yeah. And so then that's when we started to align on our recipe and what the production process would look like because we okay. were having special bottles and special wax and special special everything. It's right. Very, very manual. And then we hit shelves in December. So August to oh, December. Wow. was It was a pretty quick turnaround. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So in that time frame, are you reaching out for, like, wholesale opportunities? Like, can you explain that part a little bit? Like, because especially, too, because I've been in, um, you know, one of my businesses is figure skating dresses, right? And when oh, I, I was a former figure skater as well. And when I first started, everyone's like, how do you get into stores? I'm like, honestly, I just emailed them. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just emailing these owners and just trying to pitch my, like, why my brand is going to be valuable in their stores and for their, you know, their audience demographic, whatever that was. But, you know, how are you doing it? Like, because I think so many people think, like, there's this whole process of like really hard to get in but oftentimes it's like when you're doing it the most uh what do you call it I guess beginner you know I don't know what I'm doing kind of way like it ends up working really well and I think that's very inspiring to people when they realize oh shoot I can do this too right it's just you gotta have the guts to do it so I kind of want to hear what your approach was you said that so well (laughs) and that was exactly my experience yeah I I have never sold really anything in my life. I'm, I'm literally trying, other than maybe my babysitting services right. in high school. Okay. I don't know. And it was terrifying. So in November, I got my first prototype, I guess, of Harridan, or I had enough liquid right. to be able to go around to liquor stores and offer them samples. And first off, my first approach, like any digital digitally savvy person I sent out a ton of emails and they were personalized like I made sure they were custom to each store zero responses and then I then I started to think back all right when I go into liquor stores who's usually running them and it's usually at least in New York City a grumpy old man yeah sorry if any (laughs) cool young New York City people are listening to this and you own a liquor store and I got you wrong but that was my experience and so I was like all right it makes sense they're not checking emails and so then I'd go in Mm -hmm. and usually the first response is you need to make an appointment get out and so then I'll be like, I had to say, ask, you know, not leave and be like, okay, when can I make an appointment? And then they'd be like, Wednesday at three, come back next Wednesday at three. Turns out they weren't there. And then it was just this per- very persistent follow-up. Okay. But I had this, this, it was actually my urgency was driven by my accountant okay. who was like, Bridget, you need to make one sale this year because if you don't then I wouldn't get the tax write-off for all the my, all of my savings that I had poured into this business. Oh, so I was like, God damn, I've invested my life savings in this. Like, yes. I'm at least getting a tax write-off yes. for it. Yes. And so I was, I, I was rabid. I was like, I have to make a sale. I yeah. might not have done this. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was that persistence that it took about going to 10 liquor stores and to your point, pitching the owner, having them try it. If they were in a bad mood and didn't want to see me that day, I'd come back the next day. And then it worked. Like we launched in seven, or we launched in five liquor stores in December, which was great. All in New York? All in New York. Okay. 
And then, and then by January, we, ex- we had expand, we had doubled and we had expanded to 10 mm-hmm. and it's been this slow cadence chipping away, yeah. but there is no magic fix. It's a very slow and manual process. That's so relationship driven right? that like no, no email will get you in the door. Yes. It's like you have to go you introduce do. yourself, have them try it. Yes. And form the relationship. Absolutely. And I will say um, as well, like even though I had made these emails, there was this one major store, figure skating store in Southern California, because that's actually the hub of where most Team USA trains. Mm. Most people don't know that. They're like, oh, they think it's like somewhere northeast where it's colder. It's like, actually, no, people train in Southern California. That's where all the top, like Michelle Kwan, all of those, they are are from California. That's where you go if you want to try to make Olympics. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, it's insane. Oh, that's so cool. I have no idea. So that's why I worked in my favor, like living over there, actually even coaching at those rinks when I was trying to sell my dresses and this lady didn't respond and then lo and behold one Saturday I was supposed to go to a fraternity party I didn't I decided to bring my dresses instead to this lady I was like I hope she's here and I was like only 20 years old and I'm like just pitching her and that's when I got the sale was because within the next day she had paid the invoice and yeah because that's I showed awesome. my face and she had even said oh my god Emily like I mean I'm so sorry like I'm so busy I could tell she was like frantic when I was in store there's yeah. so many customers there and she's like you gotta follow up with me like eight times like seriously it's not annoying like just do it and ever since that moment I was a junior in college I was like I took that with me yeah. through everything because there's you know these people have lives too they have families they have you know things to do so even if they don't respond to you right away or they say no for the first time it's like you have to follow up right and you have to yep. keep going back you gotta have the persistence yeah it's so true and and it's it's taught me to not take things as personally yeah because yeah people will be stressed out they'll be in a terrible mood yeah I walked into a liquor store and you know as an entrepreneur you know you have to be an optimistic human yes. otherwise you'll just be worried you're gonna go out of business every day and I walked into a liquor store and the liquor store owner was like, you need to stop being so happy. Like, I don't have time for you today. Oh. And I mean, no, I would say me three years ago, I'd be right. very shaken. I'd yeah. be like, okay, I'm never going in there again. Yeah. But as I was looking back, it's COVID. People are yes. so stressed. I have no idea what's going on in this person's right. life. And yes, he unfortunately took out some of his frustration on me. But I did come back the next day and was like, you said I could come back. Would you like to try my vodka? I live around the corner. Would you like to support a local entrepreneur? And he was like, okay, fine. I'll take it. Yeah. And that story right there. Yeah. Wow. It's like you, I get yelled at. Mm-hmm. I get told to like get out, make an appointment. Or I get told that, you know, all vodkas taste the same. Who cares? Right. But it's just at a certain point, if you refuse to leave, they yes. have to give you at least the time of day. And if you've got a good product and that it it will speak for itself. Exactly. And I will say too, that's something I learned in sales when I worked my nine to five is like, you have to follow up minimum like nine times. And they always said that to me. And secondly is like, people like persistence. If they see that you keep trying, like you, they, they'll eventually like not say no. And like, they'll finally give you the time of day. So that's what I had a huge takeaway from my nine to five. You know what I mean? It's so true. And it's, it's interesting. Last in January, we were reaching out to this one huge account yeah. in New York, similar to the figure skating, clo- mm-hmm. figure skating clothing store that you were describing. Yeah, Huge account. We reached out in January, and we went there. We followed up to make an appointment, and finally they were like, we're not taking any new vodkas, so don't bother reaching out to us anymore. Okay. Which was kind of a hard stop at the right. time. I was like, I don't really know what to do with this. Right. Six months pass, or longer than six months, eight months pass, and two weeks ago, I was like, 
I'm just going to try again. Right. You know, maybe they forget who I am yeah. or maybe they're buying, they're exploring new vodkas now. I reached out. He immediately took a meeting with me and then he tried it, was like, this is fucking delicious. <laughs> and then he bought 30 bottles, which is a big amount oh, in at least small business. Yes. Oh, yes. Vodka yes, world. Yes. And so, and it was amazing. And he... Wow. I don't think remembered that in January had been like, we're not taking on any new vodkas, mm-hmm. but I had registered. I was like, I'm not going to let this go because yes. I really want to be in this account. Yes. So. I, yeah. I love that you shared that because I think there are so many times people have asked me like, how'd you do this? How'd you get this person on your show? Or how'd you, you know, whatever. Right. And it's honestly exactly what you just said. It's literally remembering, keeping note of it and like following up even like six months later, even if they said no in January, they could change their mind six, eight months later. And that's just how people work, right? That's human dynamics. Totally. You know, life happens, but over time, like somehow your energies are more aligned at that point and it clicks then and there. 100%. Yeah. And you said this, well, or variation of this, that was like, that's like people respect the hustle. Like they see someone working hard and, you know, I would say the minority of people are jerks to other folks that they see are working their butts off. Right. So... Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so let's dive into like the the vision behind the brand. You talk about it being like an old belligerent woman. <laughs> like, can you describe like like why like why that um, I guess figure per se? Yeah. So, w- all right. Looking at some of the caricatures in the alcohol industry or caricature branding, mm-hmm. we touched on this a little bit, but. For female-focused brands, it tends to be frilly. It tends to be like a skinny silhouette or a like a buxom woman on the cover. That's just it. it Just feels so dated. It's Mm. like all around us, depictions of women are modernizing for the better to show all shapes, sizes, races of women. But in the alcohol industry, it's kind of just the same stereotype of, like, the type of woman that's being depicted. Okay. Or the type of aesthetic that's being depicted. Right. And we were like, why don't we turn that on its head instead of being a young, hot model, which no disrespect to young, hot models. Like, (laughs) you do your thing. Yeah. Uh, We were like, let's focus on, you know, old, angry women who aren't necessarily traditionally beautiful. Yeah. But you know what? Who got things done and let's have those be our mascots rather than a bottle girl for example and so on our Instagram page for example we just or not just uh, ever since the brand's Instagram launched we've been doing feminist Fridays Mm -hmm. and every Friday we focus on a different woman who we think should be in history books but isn't and you know we know about some, we know like the Amelia Earhart's, right. we know the Susan B. Anthony's, right. like we know the classics, but it's like, what about, you know, the first black woman to be in the Olympics? Right. No one knows her name. Right. And like, these are the type of people that we, who, it's Tidy Pickett, now I know this, because right. we featured her on our Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, these are the type of women that we're, we're looking to celebrate and to spotlight mm-hmm. because women have traditionally been so underrepresented or only a fraction of women has been women have been un, have been represented in the alcohol industry. Right. Okay. So now moving past like from August to December you finally start to get it into stores, right? Share how it's been expanding over the past in 2020. So I guess it's we're like 7 months into the year now. So like how has the journey 
been, and I guess now it's been over a year since you even really started the idea and the concept and, and got things going. Yeah. So the biggest change that we've experienced has been the evolution of, of COVID and mm-hmm. the introduction of vaccines. So right. when we first launched, our only channel that we could distribute through was liquor stores because okay. restaurants and bars were all closed right. or they were struggling so much that it just didn't feel right to go in and explain why they should buy my awesome right. like $40 vodka right. when they're just stu- struggling to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. So we focus on liquor stores a lot in the beginning. But then as vaccines were being rolled out and bars started to open and mm-hmm. restaurants started to seem like they were doing a lot better mm-hmm. than we than, you know, six months prior. We immediately started to focus on that channel because that's how you can really get a lot of visibility. Right. If you are on every single bar shelf, at a certain point, consumers are gonna to start to see your branding over and over. Mm-hmm. And then when they go into the liquor store, they're gonna be like, ah, I, I keep seeing that around. Right. I'm gonna try that. And so that became, that's really been our focus for the past seven months, mm-hmm. going into bars and restaurants. And it's really the same level of persistence right. that's going in getting the appointment, having them try it, telling them what cocktails it tastes good on or Mm -hmm. what you're trying to achieve with your specific recipe. Mm -hmm. And then, so I would say that's, that's been from the distribution side. And then from the marketing side, well, I'll feel like in the, in the beginning it was, it was about looking for any any type of aware or any type Mm -hmm. of awareness and maybe that's the quick hits of just having an Instagram so that people can launch that having a mailing list so Mm -hmm. that people know what you're up to yeah now I would say it's all trying to build by brand association so we're a small burgeoning brand we're looking for bigger like-minded brands who we feel like are really doing it well Mm -hmm. and we're we're asking them how can we support you because we see a lot of synergies yeah. between what you're trying to achieve and what what we're trying to achieve. How can we work together? Yeah. And some examples of that are, we talked about this a little bit, but the, the Girl New York limited edition bottle mm-hmm. that we just launched. Mm-hmm. So Girl New York is this incredible tattoo artist. Yeah. And she is just, and now she's, now she's expanding beyond just tattoos and is, considered an artist in her own right Mm -hmm. she's so inclusive in how she depicts women and in addition to just doing absolutely stunning art right and so we reached out to her and we were like we would love to work on something with you and would you be interested in designing a label for us yeah she said yes we've been We've been working on this label for the past three months, and Uh we just launched it. And now this is an awesome partnership that Girl New York, who has, like, 300 times the amount of followers that we have on Instagram, is tagging us and is featuring our product. And it's something that now she can say that she's designed an alcohol label, and that's great for her portfolio. But now it's something that we can say, like, we partnered with this badass artist, and then we also get to communicate with her clientele and her followers Mm -hmm. and benefit from that. Right. What's your vision for the next six months in general? Next six months, I would say it's continuing to grow awareness would be the first one. So not only looking at what partnerships we can get, but as mm-hmm. we're we're growing our following base, it's like how can we do really interesting and 
buzzworthy things on our own. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the second part remains distribution because mm-hmm. when we think about how people learn about their alcohol brands, mm-hmm. it really is by going into bars and restaurants or seeing activations mm-hmm. you know, at these bars and restaurants that mm-hmm. are branded and sponsored. It's hard to learn about alcohols via Instagram or via Facebook mm-hmm. because there's it's a very regulated industry. It is, yeah. And so I'll say for the next six months, we're just we're gonna try to have pop ups as many places as we possibly can, so mm-hmm. we can interact with customers one on one and tell them why we have a right to win in the vodka space right. and why we should be their new favorite spirit. Yeah, that I think is going to be the biggest thing, and it's something that COVID has not really allowed us to do is the one on one customer I see. interaction. Yeah, but going forward. We hope it will be. Oh my goodness, that's amazing! And I can't wait to try it after this. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, it's all chilled and ready. Yes. Okay. A uh, couple final questions, more on just like personal life side. Um, so this is going to be diving into like your advice for like younger women. Um, first one being knowing what you know now. What would you tell your younger self in both the career aspect as well as personal relationships? You said this so well and I'm not gonna be able to say it as well as you did uh-huh. but the idea that I, god I forget how you phrased it but everything happens for a reason mm-hmm. and I think back at some of my career lows where I was so miserable mm-hmm. and so unhappy and deciding to make that shift to a different job or a different place I wouldn't change that career path for the world. So, like, mm-hmm. in a way that, like, pain and misery, yeah. I look back on it now as worth it, and mm-hmm. that I actually learned a lot, and it was great. And yeah. so having having a longer vision for my career rather than just I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, or just knowing that whatever pain I'm enduring right now, or pain, misery, unhappiness, right. will have a purpose later in my life is, yes. I think, the best way to put it. Yes, I 100% agree with that one. And my listeners have heard my stories of, like, the pain and all that I've gone through to lead to, you know, what fulfills you even. Um, but what about relationships, like, just personal, whether it's friendships or, you know, dating-wise, anything that you would tell your younger self in your 20s? In my 20s, I would say two things. For friends, I think it's okay to only have, you know, five people that you hold really close mm-hmm. and really, really invest in those relationships. Yeah. I'm someone who I'm either zero or a hundred with okay. friendships. It's yeah. like I either like really don't have time for you and I have to put you on the back burner. Yeah. But then my good friends, like I'm if you call me, I'll be there mm-hmm. and you know, just say just say the word. Yeah. And I used to really punish myself for not having that list be bigger. But yeah. at a certain point there's only only so many hours in the day. And, you know, we all have very demanding jobs that take up a lot of time as well. Mm -hmm. So it's really determining, you know, who's going to be part of my inner circle and who am I lucky enough to be part of their inner circle and figuring, figuring that out. So I would tell my younger self, it's, it's like, you don't have to be best friends with a hundred people. Like you can keep your five people really close and Mm -hmm. that's okay. Forgive yourself that you don't have time for everyone. Right. And then I would say relationships wise... I would tell myself that you get what you put in. Mm -hmm. And I think of now the relationship that I'm in is 
by far the most functional and awesome relationship, Mm -hmm. which we're together right now, so I guess that (laughs) makes sense. Yeah. But what I would say is that, you know, we've obviously, like, we've been living together for a year. We've obviously had to have some difficult conversations on how to make a functional living, living situation, and, but it, it takes having those difficult conversations mm-hmm. and I'm someone who traditionally avoids conflict mm-hmm. but sometimes you have to lean into it in order to emerge your relationship to emerge stronger right and because we both invested in that invested in those difficult conversations right. didn't walk away when things got tough right now like yeah it's it's we've really hit our stride and it's such a functional relationship yeah okay lightning round from the card game really quick Ooh. So, uh, just three lightning round questions. These are on the deeper side, so be prepared. Um, first one, do you think people fall in love because the right person has arrived or the time is right? Ooh. Oh, that's a tough one. And I know it's lightning. Um, I have to say the right person has arrived. Okay. Um, in an ideal world, what would your perfect day look like without any limitations? Oh my god, I know this is lightning round. I'm really trying to think. I would say right now, and it, this would answer day, or this would change day by day, but put me on a ski slope. Yeah. Just let me ski and have it be a perfect powder day. Oh. Be amazing. It's fun. Uh, last one is happiness a choice? Yes, absolutely. That one did not take a question. <laughs> that one I did not hesitate. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay, 100% agree with you. Um, okay, last question and something I ask every guest. Uh, from everything we talked about and just, you know, what you've learned in your life to this point, what would you say truly fulfills you in life? Building something would be, would be my answer. It's, it's the idea of creating something and being able to see your output. Mm -hmm. I've had roles where I've been a tiny part of a much larger machine and Mm -hmm. you don't really get to see your impact. Yeah. But when you're an entrepreneur or, you know, even doing a puzzle, like you can see your progress and you can see the impact of your output. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something really important that I've learned about myself is that I'll always have to be part of something that I'm building or where I have a very, very close connection to what the, the broader output of the organization or the company is going to be. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Well, thank you for being on here today. Where can everyone find the vodka brand and share all the social medias and all that? Oh, great. So if you want to buy Harridan, it's it's not only a good vodka. I'm like looking at your listeners. <laughs> it's not only a good vodka, but I'm actually more of a tequila drinker. So if okay. you also like tequila, you'll like Harridan. It's delicious. You can go to our website, yeah. and there is a shop function, okay. and we ship to 48 states. Okay. I believe the only ones we don't ship to are Utah and Mississippi, so okay. sorry if any of your listeners live there. That is option number one. Option number two is if you're in New York City, we mm-hmm. drizzly everywhere, okay. so you'll be able to get a bottle to your doorstep in an hour, whereas our website oh, makes might take two days. Uh, and then also, please follow us uh, at Herod and Vodka mm-hmm. for Instagram. And then we're also on TikTok at Harridan Vodka, but we're still working on our videos. They're not very good right now, but we try. Okay, perfect. (laughs) Well, I will link all of that in the show notes, and I'm excited to try it. Yes, I'll um, go get it. And we'll share everything with them. Yeah, all right, I'll go get it. 
And that was all for today's episode with Bridget Taylor, founder of Herodin Vodka. I actually got a chance to try it um, after we were finished recording and it is so good and I'm not just saying that to be nice and I'm one of those people that definitely doesn't say things like just to be nice. I'm a very honest person and always like to give feedback but I definitely found the vodka to be amazing and the reason I know that is because um, I had it like by itself just chilled on the rocks kind of thing and it was seriously like really great and I never never drink vodka especially plain um, or let alone alcohol plain you know at, at any point I'm I'm just not at that age yet where I feel like I have the guts to uh, just drink a spirit on its own um, or anything like that but yeah if you are 21 and over um, in the U.S. definitely would recommend it if you are into you know making cocktails at home or just kind of like having nice alcohol in your own home as well especially with fall and winter coming around it's like nice to be home um play games hint hint like the wuffa fills you card game and honestly that was a total vibe like i could see myself you know drinking some of that or wine you know depends on the night um playing around of the wuffa fills you card game and um you know lighting a candle and just having a vibe with some friends and so uh definitely check it out on their website everything will be linked in the show notes as usual and if you are in new york then you can actually um get it in person as well which um you can find more info and as bridget mentioned um you know on the episode but yeah you can find more info on their website and before you head out, an exclusive promotion code for you guys. Um, if you are a listener, you get 10% off the card game. So you can use What Fulfills You 10 at checkout on the website at whatfulfillsyou.com. Again, that is What Fulfills You 10. And also as an FYI, since it is in pre-order, if you want this before holidays, and yes, I'm talking even before Christmas, you would have to place the order um, to be guaranteed in the pre-order process um, in order to make sure you have it in your hands and or if you're planning to gift it to anyone, then you should be ordering it now. Um, just giving you a full honest disclosure there. But other than that, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Share this on your Instagram story with a friend, tag us, all of that. We always enjoy seeing you guys tune in to the podcast. And as always, give some love on the Instagram at what fulfills you. And that is all. I will chat with you guys next time. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.